Good morning, church. It is a delight to be with you this morning, uh, if sp- not in spirit, uh, through social media. And hopefully we can pray that uh, very quickly we can be together again. Uh, but it's great that we live in times like this and we can do this uh, version of church in uh, these hard days. I uh, first want to say I hope that you're all okay and healthy and safe and that you're doing all the right protocols. Uh, we don't want this thing to spread uh, and get worse. Uh, so far I've heard that we're all doing pretty good, which is great, and we'll keep it that way if we do all our due diligence and things like that. Uh, just a couple things as we uh, get going on this morning's message, or before we get going on this morning's message. Um, and by the way, this is just the first version of this. As the weeks go on, we'll get more probably better at it, uh, but we can got to walk before we run. And so we're walking today, and uh, let's see how it goes. Uh, just so you know, uh, to keep track of what's going on at the church or the information that the church is putting out, uh, there's a couple of ways we can do that. Uh, one is our Facebook account, and at Killam Baptist Church, uh, some of you are on it, uh, some of you can ask for or be a friend on it and things like that but that's where we're posting most of our information also on the e-fan outs that go out uh, to our church people that have signed up for it uh, if you're not signed up you'd like to be on our webpage, which i think is just below me this morning is the sign up link for that so certainly fill it out and you'll get the fan out for the emails and um other things announcements and things like that and um keeping track with what's going on uh, also, uh, for prayer requests, uh, Vert has done an excellent job this week keeping uh, prayer requests going. Uh, what we've done, though, because obviously in these times there's going to be lots of prayer needed, and so we decided to, for urgent requests, uh, things like life and death, things where have to happen, so we need to pray about it now, uh, versus more general things, I hate to say it like that, but more general things like economic uh, sufferings and things like that, we're all going to go through in the coming weeks and months. Uh, so what we're going to do, urgent stuff is going to be put out right away, and the non-urgent stuff will be uh, put out on a weekly or bi-weekly uh, fan out of prayer requests. One will go out Wednesday, the next one will go out uh, Saturday. And so we don't get overwhelmed with the prayer requests, and we can pray for things properly and clearly, and we know that God will answer as he always does. So uh, just be aware of that, and um, certainly if you have a prayer request, uh, let us know. Also, we're still the church. We still have bills to pay. Uh, we support missionaries. Uh, there are bills to pay for the church. Uh, but you can still give. Uh, so there's a couple ways I would suggest that you can give. The easiest way is e-transfer, uh, kbc01 at live.ca. Again, kbc01 at live.ca. And that is the church's email address. If you could send your tithe and offering by that, that is the quickest and easiest way for us to get it. Another way is by mail. Uh, write your checks payable to Killam Baptist Church. Another way is uh, automatic uh, debit withdrawal. Uh, that is a little bit more complicated. You have to ask uh, the office for a form. We can send it to you. You fill it out. You return it by uh, with a void check and then... 
Uh, we'll process that. That'll take a, a couple of weeks. And, uh, with that being said, I'll just want to say uh, thank you very much to Verda this week and for her help with organizing the many prayer requests and, and taking them and putting them out. And also Marilyn. Uh, most of the technology uh, stuff, the mistakes are mine, uh, but she got us on the webpage uh, with this video, and I appreciate you very much. Let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we can come together still. <laughs> even though it's not the same, even though it feels different, you're still the same God. You are still in control, and we thank you for that. Lord God, we uh, pray uh, for our leaders at this time, uh, that you would give them wisdom, that you give them guidance, that you give them strength, give them endurance, protect them, and help them lead us well through this pandemic, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, for our country. We pray for our citizens that you would spare many, uh, that you'd spare us, that you spare our neighbors, you spare our children, that you spare our friends, Lord God. Uh, we don't know why this came. You do. We don't know how it's going to turn out. You do. And we don't know how we're going to make it through it, but you do. So we pray to you today, Lord God, for strength, for wisdom, for discernment, Lord God, and for... Just give us what we need for the next moment, let alone the next day, let alone the next week. So, Lord God, be with us, uh, protect us, guide us, encourage us, Lord God. Help us to speed Jesus in this time, his hands and feet, the best we can to serve each other and serve our community. So, Lord God, we pray you be with us this morning and feed us by your word. And let your word sustain us in these days. In Jesus' name, amen. I am obviously not going to preach on offering today and giving and things like that with what's going on. Plus, it's kind of academic right now. Uh, we're all going to be struggling for a while. But with that being said, uh, God guided me to um, just think about the idea in this time where everything seems to be out of control, that he still is in control. So if you have your Bibles, hopefully you do, if not, press pause and you can go find them. Uh, Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 to 7. But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Crush and Seba, in exchange for you, because you are precious in my eyes and honor, and I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, Give up, and to the south, Do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar, and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I form and made. Over the last few weeks, even when we sort of saw it coming, this pandemic, we didn't understand how big it was going to get. We sort of did, 
but if you're like me, unfortunately, it kind of hit bigger than we thought it was going to. But, like it or not, COVID-19 has turned not only the world upside down, but much closer to home, it has, for many of us, burst our bubble, turned us upside down. Not only this, it's twisted us and turned us and shook us to the very core. Since all that we once knew as being normal, strong, stable has changed. Between today and two weeks ago, even last Sunday, much has, has changed. And this is the reality that we're living in now. And frankly, it sounds like we're going to be living in for some time to come. Our world has shifted. Shift into something that we perhaps don't understand what it's going to be like. You know, a few weeks ago, we enjoyed freedom. A few weeks ago, we interacted with one another. We gave little doubt to going out shopping, to going out and being in a coffee shop with one another, going out for a meal together, to give each other hugs, to shake another's hand. So many things we just took as granted that we could do without any thought, without any hesitation. Yet today... Instead of doing things that we consider to be normal, we're now using words and practices such as social distancing and self-isolation and flattening the curve. Words a couple weeks ago didn't even know, let alone practice. The fact is, much has changed. And have you perhaps at times felt, as I have, that you were losing, that you had lost control? Perhaps have you have felt as if somebody has pulled the rug out from your feet and you're falling backwards trying to get your balance. Or perhaps you feel like you've been standing on a, a platform and somebody opened a trap door and now you're just falling and falling and falling. I say this because truthfully that's how I felt at times in these past days, especially since last Sunday afternoon when the kind of news hit me hard for the first time and for a, a couple times through this week I was just like trying to get my balance trying to get my perspective again and it seems like I just could not get it at times have you like me want to grab onto something this week that's stable that's that's hard that's rugged that's strong that could support us that could stabilize us that could sustain us in order to stop the falling the feeling of being out of control how many of you, how many of us, have had the urge to go out, out and stock up this week? To go out and get something because we thought it was important. And there are certainly things that we need to have gotten to make sure we're prepared. Any of you had the urge to go out and buy toilet paper? <laughs> as we have seen on the news, that was the urge of many people. As we've seen locally, that is the urge of even people in Killam and Flagstaff County, as we've seen our own co-op be empty of toilet paper. Now, a couple of weeks ago, even when this started, one report I heard said that why people were doing this, and not just toilet paper, but you know, panic buying or uh, buying a lot of stuff that it seems like was an excess, yes, yeah, certainly some were doing it to try to make money. But why people were buying toilet paper and things like that is that it gave people a sense of control. A sense of control that when they got something that others were seeking that would, they knew was going to be hard to find, that when they got it, that when they got that pack of toilet paper, they thought they were doing pretty good. 
especially when they got it before somebody else did. Because therefore, they must be doing something well and good because they have something. They have gotten something, therefore they are in control. Yet, the reality is that we are in a time and a place that's so new that we have not been through this before, where everything has changed. There's a lot that is out of control. Because this pandemic has revealed that really we are not much in control of many things. And this is really reality, not just because of this outbreak, but always. I'm not saying that the virus has control. The virus has really no control over us. The virus really has no control over this world. Because even though we have little control over this virus, we need to remember that this virus is not in total control. Just as anything or anyone has ever had total control over us or this world. Because who has total control in these days and all days is God. God is in control, as he always has been, as he always will be. On March 22nd, 2020, in the middle of a pandemic, God is in control this very moment, minute, hour. Just as he was in control when he spoke, at the beginning it says, Let there be light, earth, animals, man, women, there was. Because God spoke, it happened. God has so much control that Jesus said that he even knows when a little bird falls out of the sky. God is in control. He has been throughout history. He will be for eternity. Therefore, know my friends that he is in control. Even though the world has been turned upside down, even in the midst of the hardships that we're facing this day, even in the isolation that we have right now, he is in total control. You know, there was another time, another place, where another people of God, Israel at that time, once had their world turned upside down. And just like us, they didn't really just have their world just turned upside down. Their world was literally shaken and torn apart. Israel had been taken captive into captivity they had been exiled from the promised land because god had rejected them because of their sin god gave them over to captives to punish them for their sin and because of these things they literally lost all of what they once had all of once they once knew all of once what they once thought to be normal they lost really their identity they lost even knowing for sure if God was still for them. If, really, if God was still in control. Yet, while they were in the middle of their pain and their suffering, as they were in the middle of feeling the full effects of what was happening to them, spoke through his prophet Isaiah. And through his prophet Isaiah, he said to the people, he wants to remind the people the same thing that he wants to remind us of today, we his people of the new covenant, of the church, that he is, as he always has been, as he always will be, that he is in control. No matter how bleak the situation looks, 
Now, not only did God say and, and confirm that he was in control through Isaiah, he also said because he was indeed in control, that that meant good things for his people. That God is in control means good things for his people back then, but also as us Christians today. So again, no, we who are in a similar place, sort of, as God's people back then were, that God speaks to us today through Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 to 7, through the truth that this passage reveals, which I hope would encourage us all in the midst of the pain and certainly fear that these are, days are bringing us all. As this passage opens up in verses uh, 1 and 2, we know that because God is still in control, we are his, and absolutely nothing can change this. Verse 1, But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I am redeemed you. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. What held true for Israel back then? Oh, by the way, Jacob refers to Israel as well. It's just a different name that God bestowed on Israel. Israel as being God's people, what holds true, held true for them back then holds true for us today. For Christians, we are God's people of the new covenant, of the church. The same thing that this verse talks about holds true with us today. Look at verse 1. It drips with confirmation that we are the people of God. It states that we have been created. It states that we have been formed. It states that we have been redeemed and we have been called. And therefore, because of all these things, we are his. That's the last words. Also, the totality of what verse 1 speaks about means then that we are his no matter what. No matter what happens, no matter what people say to us, no matter what virus comes upon us. Look at verse 2, though. We are his, even if we pass through the waters, we are his Therefore, he is with us. We will not be overcome. When we pass through rivers, rivers calm, mild, rough, horrible, powerful, they cannot sweep us away. He will not let us be overcome by, usually, by what usually will overcome us. Now, the fire here in verse 2 is not literal. But we are feeling fire. We have felt fire. And what it can do in terms of hardships, of suffering, of persevering through hard times. But God has promised that we would not be overcome because he is in control. He is with us. Why can we believe this, that we can persevere, that we can overcome, that 
we can keep our head above the water. Again, because God is in control. We are his, absolutely. And because we are his, he is with us. Therefore, in light of COVID-19, remember, he's in control. But also remember, we remain his. He hasn't forsaken us. He hasn't forgotten us. He will see us through this. And also, if God is in control, then nothing, absolutely nothing that is happening is against or out of his will. Moving on into verses 3 and 4, not only are we his, but these verses talk about because he's in control, we are loved. And not only this, we're not just loved for today, we are loved always. Verse 3, For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Crush and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my eyes and honor. And I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Notice that verse 3 starts with a decoration from God. Decoration of saying who he really is. That he is the same God, now both in the time of Israel and also in 2020. That he always remains the same God. And that's something he confirms as he starts verse 3. He speaks through Isaiah, and what does he say? For I am. He's the same God who has the same power and same might that when he met Moses at the burning bush where he stated he declared that his name was what I am who I am in Exodus chapter 3 verse 14 see this God that used Moses used Moses as his instrument to bring his people Israel out of captivity of Egypt out of bondage in Egypt that this God showed all at that time through various plagues that he was in total control even over the gods of Egyptians, as he's shown people all throughout history that he's in control and how completely he's in control over all things. Now, not only did he show how he was in control of all things with bringing Israel out of Egypt, but in how he brought Israel out of Egypt, he showed his people the depth of his love. Years later again, after his people had sinned, after they broke his heart and he sent him out into captivity. God shows him how much he loves him through another act, an act of his control. By buying Israel's freedom out of Babylon, through giving the nation of Persia, and they, if you know history, they're the ones who came in and, and removed the Babylonian Empire off the block, and through it, the Jews were free. But here, he speaks and says, Isaiah, I did it. Isaiah, I ransom, I I um, bought, I gave as a reward to Persia for releasing my people the ability to conquer Egypt, the, the ability to conquer Crush, the ability to con- conquer Seba. And he did so because, verse 4, his people are precious to his sight. He loved them. He cares for his people beyond we can ever understand. Because of this, we can have no doubt to what level, to what extent God loves us look at israel he rescued them more than once from captivity as he was their savior as he is our savior today isn't he because god is eyes the savior god is eyes the hero of any story any real story god is anyone's savior when they put their trust in him 
he loves us that much and we know the bible verse for god so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life because of this because he is a god who saves why can he save because he's in total control of all things therefore the salvation that he offers is a sure thing have you put your trust in jesus christ know then if you accept jesus know that you are loved john chapter 15 verse 13 greater love has no one than this that someone laid down his life for his friends jesus died for us therefore we are loved we never have to doubt it if suffering comes if disease comes if hardships come if a pandemic comes it does not lessen the fact that we are loved by god so far this passage has shown us because god is in control we are his and we are loved and finally as we move to verses five to seven of isaiah 43 we discover because god is in control we need not fear fear not for i am with you i will bring your offspring from the east and from the west i will gather you i will say to the north give up and to the south do not withhold bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth everyone who's called by my name whom i created for my glory whom i form and made this meant for israel back then as they came out of and back from captivity think about it would you be shaken if you were taken into captivity if you lost everything you had if you didn't know where your loved ones were you'd be shaken and there would be fear and i can imagine that these returning exiles had great apprehension and perhaps one of the greatest fears one of the greatest concerns that they had was would their kin come back would they be reunited with their children their close-knit families and what does god do here in verses five to seven he puts that fear the rest with his saying as verse five begins fear not for i am with you and with him saying this he then explains again because he's in total control that what they wanted would happen he would restore them as they once were he would bring families back together kin close together again that's the reality god was speaking into when he said in verse 5 fear not for i am with you now this phrase do not fear here in verses 4 to 7 but also in the middle of verse 1 it says do not fear and obviously we know in the bible it says many places do not fear is something that's repeated many times to the people of god telling us how important the truths of this passage are for god's people to wrap around their head and their heart that they are important for us to hear therefore if he is why should we fear why should we be scared if god is in control since nothing can really happen out of his sight out of his will or his provision because if anything happened outside of or apart from what god wanted to happen then he wouldn't be in total control he wouldn't be sovereign he wouldn't be all powerful he wouldn't be all knowing <laughs> but when god says do not fear it's actually the confirmation that his people will go through things that would want to cause fear in them that would be fear producing for israel here was the exile and captivity and the 
picking up the pieces of coming back. And for us, currently, there's many things that can produce fear in us. Needless, we are still called not to fear. Now, not to fear, I don't think, means to not be concerned, not to be cautious, not to uh, do what we are called to do. It doesn't mean to be fearless when we're facing things that are fear-producing. But it means this, I think. We don't allow ourselves to be given over to fear. We don't allow our fears to control us. We don't allow our fears to cause us not to be God's people and do what God would want us to do in times like this. Rather, we are called to live as a child of God, regardless of what is happening around us. Pandemic, epidemic, floods, famine. We're called to live for him, for his sake, for his glory. Until that day when we see him face to face. Now, talking about end times, I get this from verses 5 to 7 as well. Because not only is God talking about the regathering of Israel here from captivity, as they return back from Babylon, God is hinting here of a wider regathering. And we know this regathering will take place when Jesus Christ returns. When the elect will be gathered from the four corners, or the four winds of the earth. Lotus verses 5 and 6. God mentions north, south, east, west. And in Matthew chapter 24, verse 31, what do we read? And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds. We are his elect who are the church. From one end of heaven to the other, when Jesus comes, we will gather again from the captivity of sin, from the bondage of sin, freedom from fear. Because when we're together, when Jesus returns, we will no longer have to fear anything because it will be perfect. And that until then, we must choose not to fear. One way we can do that is remember again that God is in control. And since he is, we are his. We are loved. We need not fear. Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, we're all suffering. We're all scared. But in light of that, they're not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. That's an awesome promise to remember. Remembering that God is in control. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you are in control. Help us remember that when the news comes. When we hear it's got that much worse or things have got that much more restrictive, we pray that it doesn't. We pray that your hand would move. And by this time next week, we'll be rejoicing at your mercy and your grace. But until then, sustain us. In Jesus' name, amen.